everyone, it's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 221. Hooray! Hooray! We're back. We're back. It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yes, from outer space. <laughs> That's it. Yep, yeah, we're not, not going to continue con- that. I'm not continuing it. <laughs> There's so many different ways you could go as well. You could go all spoilery, you could go classic disco-y, it's just... My knowledge of that, of my knowledge of that song is primarily comes from the bit in Men in Black Two with the dog singing it when he's sticking his head out the window of the car. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was a child. Yes, and that stuck Fair in enough. my head because I was like, "Talking dogs, <laughs> that's funny." <laughs> in hindsight, that movie's pretty bad. Yeah. The new Men Although I, yeah, I I quite fancy the new one. I'm hoping it's good at least. Yeah, it should be quite good. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> well, it's got Thor and the Valkyrie in it, so. It's true. It's basically Thor Ragnarok too. Yes. <laughs> so, if you are just started listening to us and wondering what the hell you're listening to, this is Glitch Free Gaming. We are a weekly, or oh, we try to be a weekly <laughs> podcast Weekly-ish. about. Weekly-ish about games, be it video games, board games, and all those type of cool things that you play, and maybe all the other cool things in between as well. So I am Mike, and with me is Kieran this week. Hello. Paul is away doing Paul things. You might join us part with her. Yes, you might to not. Do we'll see other Paul things. <laughs> yes. So, cool, let's do what we always do and talk about some video games. So, Kieran, you have, you finished Red Dead Redemption 2, didn't you? I did. Well, sort of. I didn't do the epilogue because... Right. I just don't have it in me to do the epilogue. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that game enough to do the epilogue. I don't like the first game enough to do the epilogue. And... Without spoiling it, the first epilogue, the epilogue basically exists as like fan service for people that like the first game a lot, right? And so I'm just like, I I didn't, I didn't care enough to. I don't like it enough to go more than the two hours I put into it. That's understandable. I, I think that game gets better as it goes on. Like I wouldn't have finished Uh it otherwise. But yeah. It's still not great. <laughs> um, I think it does some great things story-wise. Uh huh. Like I think the writing and the story and stuff like that are just really, really good. Like they're, you know, the character of Arthur Morgan is kind of one of the better protagonist characters that we've had in a video game, or at least a video game of this scale in quite a long time. Uh huh. Um, his whole whole arc of, you know not necessarily becoming a good guy because he never really becomes a good guy but his uh arc of kind of understanding what he's been doing wrong and trying to stick to you know some kind of honorable path while everything else is kind of falling apart around him is well told right the ending was a little bit of a dud but that's kind of i mean it's kind of how it had to be, and I'm not going to go into you know spoilers about it too much. So it's interesting. Like some of the missions towards the end of that game are really good. Like I think the story stuff gets better. Like the story missions get better as it goes on, and 
also like the the stranger missions and stuff like that really kick in around like chapter seven or eight or something like that you start getting a lot of them and they're really good right um which is one of those things where like when this game first came out and people reviewed it and you know some people were you know getting through it very quickly the thing i always heard from people was oh the stranger missions are where the best stuff is like don't bother with story missions for a while go around and do stranger missions just you know wander around and do those and stuff like that but they don't open up for quite a while (laughs) i think a lot of people forget that because they're just too engrossed in the game and they just you know blast through like tons of it and then they're like ah then i did stranger missions but for the first like four or five chapters of that game there's only a handful of stranger missions that show up on the map and most of them aren't that interesting they're just like you know here's this gunslinger that wants to challenge you to uh uh a shoot the shoot right. bottles off a wall or uh here's this photographer that wants to take photos and like there's they're okay but they're not anything super special later on they get a bit wackier and a bit crazier especially once you get to uh saint denis which is like the big city right um once you get to there even then once you get to there basically the chapter after you first get to there strangers start appearing in that city and you start getting more side missions and stuff from there and those are really good and it's like just have them there none of these are focused on the story they don't need me to be at a certain point in the plot to get to here uh anyway it's okay i Uh It's a hard game to recommend still because I I don't think it's that great, but the story is like very well told if nothing else. Um, I'm not going to do the epilogue. <laughs> There's like zero chance of me doing the epilogue. Um, like I I followed that story to the end as far as I'm concerned and I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Like, there's rumours starting to spiral around now that, you know, Rockstar going to do Grand Theft Auto 6 for, like, the launch of the next consoles next year. Right. And if that's the case, like, on paper I'm somewhat interested because I like Rockstar games, but if it plays the same way as, like, they've been going with these last couple of games, I might fucking skip Grand Theft Auto 6. <laughs> Because it's the bit that right. falls apart for me is that I just hate the way it plays. Like, Arthur Morgan moves like he is fucking walking through treacle. Like, you move the analog stick and a few seconds later, Arthur Morgan takes half a step and you're like, oh, great, fuck, that's what this game is, I guess. <laughs> it's all so slow and so... They've never really changed that in any of the games, have they? Well, they didn't used to be this way. Like, 4 was when... GTA 4 was when they kind of started heading this way. Um, and GTA 4 was, like, slightly more physics-y, slightly weightier. Uh, Red Dead Redemption was kind of the same because they were the same engine, basically, you know, similar kind of guts. GTA 5 was the one that got, like, way more physics-y with, like, the feeling of the movement. But I feel like even GTA 5, and when I say feel like, I mean, I literally booted up GTA 5 after I finished Red Dead 2. GTA 5 is still a much faster game than this. 
Like right, just okay. the just the core like character movement just feels snappier than this. There's just something about the way that you move around in Red Dead Redemption Two that I just it it just feels bad. <laughs> like I don't I don't understand how I managed to make it through a game that long that plays that bad. Um, but yeah, I I finished it. That story's good at least, so that's something. But, right. Yeah, wouldn't recommend it. Definitely not, you know, a game of the year from last year. <laughs> Would not put it where in my was top it? five. Yeah, where was it in Paul's top five just for... I think it was number one. It was definitely up there. Yeah, I think so. It was Ben's number one as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Which surprised <laughs> me. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Ben, here's some behind the, the curtain... You know, knowledge here. I recently put up Ben's Game of the Year video, which took me forever to make because it wasn't any harder than any of ours. It was just a case of scheduling. Like Ben sent me the videos a little bit later, and which is fine. I I told him to because I was like, I'm not going to get this done in time for ours, and so he sent them a little bit after I put up our ones. Right. And then I didn't have time for a couple of weeks to do them, so they ended up going up really late. But a lot of the footage he sent was like of him hunting and fishing in Red Dead. So, like, <laughs> tons of his Red Dead footage was just him hunting and fishing. I was like, oh, this is why Ben likes this game. Right. <laughs> this, oh, yeah, okay. This, is exactly, sense, yeah. this is exactly up Ben's alley. I can see why he would like this. Um, whereas that's the kind of stuff in games I don't really care about. Like, I only hunted and fished when the game made me do it. Yes, yeah. I spent most of my time, you know robbing trains because i like that a bit more and then taking over the train and crashing it into stuff which is always fun um but yeah red dead redemption 2 i it's fine that's that's my review fair enough fine it doesn't get a recommendation if we start moving to like the shop and sit down thing it doesn't get it doesn't get a recommendation from me (laughs) It doesn't um, get a pair. It doesn't get a pair. <laughs> oh, we can't just straight up steal their pairs. No, no, we wouldn't. <laughs> we wouldn't steal their pairs. We'd never do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and other games though, you have been playing some Onrush. I have. Yes. How are you find that? Which really good, actually. That's good. Uh, so, I had. Onrush was one of those that we were quite excited about mm-hmm. when it was first announced and because of its pedigree. Yeah. You know, it so it was a uh, Codemasters game. Mm-hmm. Uh, burnout and all sorts of... Uh, yeah, Codemasters have picked up devs from basically every racing game company in the UK yes. at this point, which is most yeah. racing game companies, because that's where they get made. Um, yes, yeah. But then Onrush in particular was made by a studio formed from the collapse of the studio that made Drive Club and uh, Motorstorm. Yes. So yeah, we were, as fans of those, we were all like, yes, this is going to be so good. And then yep. Paul played the beta and hated it. Yes. I played it a bit when it came to PS Plus and didn't 
like it much. Oh, oh I didn't. I came. I came to just. played some of it. I didn't play much of it. Um, I kind of just bounced off it. I, but yeah. Right. Um, so I picked up the. I picked it up on sale for fifteen pounds or something. You know, so it wasn't a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that strikes me once you get into it was the presentation and the the idea about what they're doing with it. It was reminded me across of SSX, Wipeout, and uh, Motorstorm. Yeah, that kind of future sport idea. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, and it's reveling in its weirdness and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. So you've got the the different events that they've got. Uh, so the the main mode for single player is the superstar, and you unlock various events, and one by one they introduce you to the different types of racing that they do. Uh, I say racing, but it's not. Uh, it's not racing as such. There's no first place in this, you know, first past the post. There's none of that in the racing yeah. that it does. They've got various events. So there's the, it's kind of like a capture the flag game called Lockdown, I think it is. And what it is, is that it's a moving point in the course and it moves around the track and you are trying to get as many people as you can into it. Mm-hmm. And if, if you've got more than the other team, then you that checkpoint. And then it disappears, and you can fight amongst yourselves and smash each other up and stuff. Then another one appears. And normally it's the first to eight wins. Wins those. There's uh, all sorts of different events in there as well. There's yeah. uh, Countdown, which is... Uh, They've got these gates that appear through, again, you know, most tracks are circular, you know, so they'll, they'll go around, you go round and round. And there's gates that appear, and every time you go through gates, it adds a couple of seconds onto a countdown clock. Uh-huh. And the idea is for you to get through as many gates as possible and for your teammates to do so, but to stop your report, because then the countdown clock will end quicker than yours. Yeah, and you kind of want to try and basically stay in the lead the whole time. But not quite, because you want to make sure they're not doing the right thing. That's the thing I, I like the idea of, where they they seem to have... Staying in the lead is not just being first in the race, it's staying in the lead in terms of like objectives. Yes. Which I think is kind of a cool idea. Um, I don't know. There was just something about it that I didn't really click with me. Like I liked the way it played and stuff. It was just something about the overall structure of it, where I was just like, I kind of don't. It, I don't know. I don't enjoy these modes. It, the modes, the the modes, and how they get introduced to you were the things that reminded me of SSX. You know, particularly SSX Tricky. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it is a bit of an older style, the way that the, the presentation is done and it's shown these game modes. I don't know. It just it just sits. 
it sits with me and I like it. Enjoyed That's working fair. my way through it. Uh, yeah, it's pleasant enough. I it should have done better than it did. I think. Um, yeah, I think I, the. I think part of think it the, is it is just kind of like it's not for everyone because there's one of those things where I I bounced off of it and it didn't really click with me. But I wouldn't go ah, it's a bad game, or you shouldn't play it. It's like you should probably try it because I could see why people would like it. Like it's well made and it's like this cool, interesting concept. There was just something about it that didn't quite go for me. Yeah, it's. I I don't think the demo that they did. Uh, or was it a demo? Or was it an open beta? It was a beta that Paul played. Yeah, that didn't do them any favors. No. Uh, I don't. I think that hurt them a hell of a lot uh, and it's just never really got back even making it a PlayStation Plus game didn't do any I don't think it did anything for them did it? I don't know um, but yeah you should check it out if you do like racing games and you, you're you looking for something that's a little bit like MotorStorm yeah. uh, the, the first two MotorStorm games not the, the third one yeah no uh, uh, what was the Apocalypse one, was it Apocalypse? Yes, I think it was Apocalypse. Yeah. That one was good, but yeah, it was, it was quite different from the first two. Yes, yeah. Um, so this yeah. is it's like the the first two. It's got the crazy characters and the sort of strange presentation from the SSX games, and then it has got a, a touch of the the wiper about it as well. I feel. Yeah, I can see that. So. Um, I kind of wish it did just have like a straight up racing mode in it. Like I like the idea of it doing all these other crazy modes, but I like the way the cars play and like control and stuff, but I never really liked any of those modes that much. So I kind of right. wish they had also just done, also if you just want to race, here you go. Yeah. It's, yeah. They, they, it probably wouldn't have taken much for them to do that as well. Yeah, but I can see why they would want to try and push like people into the more interesting modes. Yes. Yeah, it's just they weren't for me. Which unfortunate. Yeah. I wanted to like that game a lot. I, like I said, I'm really enjoying it now and I'd stopped playing it for a bit and then I was I turned on the PlayStation Plus yesterday to play a game we'll talk about later. And accidentally, I, was, I think I was mucking around with one of the cats and petting one of the cats. And I started the game and my finger slipped on the joystick and went to Onrush instead of Days Gone and ended up playing Onrush for about <laughs> an hour and a half. So it is, it's it's one of those games that you can turn on and just have a, a quick blast on, turn it off. Yeah. But like you said, it's not going to be for everyone, so... But yeah, yeah uh, just enjoying it so far. Uh, you have been playing some Shakedown Hawaii, though. Yes, this is a new release. It's out on Switch and PC, and I'm not sure what else. I assume it's out on the other consoles. It'd be weird if it wasn't. Um, yeah. 
But this is the new game by the developers of uh, Retro City Rampage, which you might remember as... I played it primarily on the Vita, but it came out on a bunch of stuff. It was kind yeah, of like was... a 8-bit kind of GTA-style game. Yes. That had like a lot of parodies of other video games and stuff like that in it. And it was alright. Like, I played a lot of it because I, I enjoyed it, but it was... You know, it had flaws. Um... This one feels like they kind of nailed what they were trying to do with the first one a bit better. Um, so it goes for a kind of 16-bit aesthetic instead of an 8-bit one. So it looks more like a Super Nintendo game than a NES game. Right. And it looks great. Like, I actually really love the sprite work, stuff like that. Like, they they don't just go for, you know, the kind of the rough art style of a Super Nintendo game. Like, the way it animates and stuff like that looks like how a lot of Super Nintendo games looked as well. Um, and it looks really nice. It, it runs really well on Switch, which is what I'm playing on. Um, but it's the similar kind of thing where it's this GTA-style game, but like the old-school GTA games where, you know, it's kind of an isometric or more, I guess, kind of top-down perspective. And you're kind of you know, running around streets, attacking people and getting weapons and, you know, fighting gangs and doing missions and stuff like that. And, like, that stuff's all really good. Like, it's all pretty straightforward, like, dual joystick kind of... You run around with the left stick, right stick lets you aim your weapons and shoot. And that's all pretty straightforward. Um, it has other, like, kind of, like, cool features to the controls where you've got, like... You know, a melee attack, and then you can also pick up people and just throw them, which is pretty fun. Um, and then you can actually jump, which is weird for these kind of like top-down GTA games, because they they kind of had a jump, but those old GTA games, the jump was always bizarre. Whereas this is just a kind of actual jump, um, right? But it's cool. So like the the basic premise is you're on this island in Hawaii, and you're this like big uh business owner that has you know retired or not retired like you're on the beach in hawaii and like the the game starts with like your company is failing and you see it on the news like you learn about it on the news because they're making fun of your character because your character famously wrote a book that was this company runs itself i'm going to the beach and so your character is like, all right, well, this company runs itself. I'm going to the beach. And then the company starts going bankrupt. And right. So he's coming back to kind of set things straight. And he's doing this by, you know, uh, being aggressive is what he calls it, which is, you know, you go in and you, per- you perhaps extort some protection money out of people so that you can have some money so that you can then buy up businesses, sometimes the same businesses you were just getting protection money from. Um, right. And it's got this whole, like, sub-mechanic where you're just going around, like, buying up all of the property and all of the businesses and stuff like that in, on this island. And it's really cool. So it's got this kind of, like, side mini-game part of it, basically, where you're trying to run businesses. Well, you, so far you don't really have to run them too much it's very much just like buy them get money buy bigger ones and get more money and the core like conceit of the story has so far been going about these businesses and trying to correct things you've done wrong so like your character is kind of an older guy and he 
you know, he a lot of, one of the businesses he owns that's a failing is just like a video rental place. And so he's like, well, you know, people must still need to like rent videos, and his kid's like, no, everyone just streams things now, and he's like, nah, streaming's a fad; it'll go away any day now. I'm going to keep investing in this video rental stuff, and everyone's like, you, you shouldn't, you probably shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> and he, you can like invest a bunch in VR and stuff like that because everyone's like, this is going to be the future. Uh, the bet that I just kind of finished doing is he buys up a bunch of like fancy hipstery kind of coffee shops because he's like he goes to one of them and they charge like five dollars for coffee and he's like five dollars for coffee you must be rolling in profit i need to buy up all these places and i'll be able to make tons of money and then he buys them up and he's like why am i not making tons of money and they're like well we charge five dollars for coffee because we you know source our coffee ethically and it costs like you know around five dollars <laughs> for us to get coffee and stuff and he's like i can get better coffee beans and you've got like a gta cell mission where you're stealing coffee beans from the back of a van and right. you're know, taking it back to the coffee shop so you can sell cheap coffee because you didn't pay anything for the beans um it's it's good like they're they're doing a lot of kind of good little parody stuff like that in it um and i'm enjoying it quite a bit so far it, it plays great the humor seems really good so far and i think it's just a much better game than the first one was um if you want like a kind of GTA style game on the Switch, there's not a lot of options at the moment. Um, although Saints Row Three is coming out or is out coming out, I can't remember if it's uh, actually out. By the time this podcast it, goes up, I think it'll be out. It will be out by the time it, yeah. yeah. So that's an option. Although I saw some footage of that, and that doesn't seem like a great port. Um, not played it myself, really? but yeah, uh, it seems rough. But this is is cool. It's it's obviously you know much more arcadey and crazy than you know a lot of these style of games usually are, just by nature of it being, you know, two D and sprite based and faster. Uh, yeah. But I'm really liking it. I I definitely recommend it so far. It's much easier to recommend than the first one was, because right. Retro City Rampage like I enjoyed, but it, it had all these weird issues. Like a lot of the humor didn't hit and the the mission structures were often quite bad. <laughs> Whereas this one, all the missions have been pretty fun so far. Right. Uh, and the, it's less directly just like parodying other games. A lot of the parodies are based on more kind of like real life stuff, which has been a bit funnier. Uh, whereas the first game was very much just like, ha, this character is basically Dr. Mario. And it's like, that's, I guess that's almost a joke. <laughs> like you kind of almost did it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, whereas this one's a bit better about that stuff, and then the whole like business mini game stuff, I'm enjoying a lot. Uh, I think it's that was the kind of thing that uh, drew me to it. Looking from the trailer, the trailer is actually quite good in explaining what the game is. See, I didn't even watch I'm the trailer. Sure. I just bought it because I knew, you it was, knew what it was. Yeah, I knew it was like right. a follow up to that game, and I liked that first one. Yeah, the the trailer does quite a bit in explaining about you know buying out the businesses and using the playing the businesses and there's three different characters and they basically explore different. Each character is about a certain aspect of the game. Yeah. So yeah, um, I am interested in checking it out. Yeah, I I recommend it. It's it's good. It's definitely 
a lot better than the first one and I'm enjoying my time with it quite a bit so far. Right. So I'm going to play more of that. That's kind of my holiday game, I think. So I'm going on holiday this weekend. It's going to be this will be the game I play on the the plane there and the plane back, hopefully. Cool. So yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, Shake Down Hawaii. It's pretty good. Um. Excellent. You've been playing some Trials Rising as well. Are you playing that on the Switch or are you playing that on? Did you get? I'm PS4? playing it. I know, playing it on the Switch. How are you finding uh, it? Was finding it quite good. I I'd bought the I think they did the the whole package version. I think they knocked ten pound off it, so you were getting the game plus all the deals or the season pass. So and so picked that up and I played through you know well it feels like I've played through most of the the game uh, pretty quickly mm-hmm. on the single player mode anyway going through across the continents uh, enjoyed that had fun with that I've played through uh, America Europe and Asia I'm not too sure how much more there is from that and then they've brought out another DLC pack and yeah. put it back on it's it's trials. We spoke about the game when it first came out. I think you purchased it and I'd played through the demo. Yeah. And yeah, it's good. It's got a couple of different things. So it's got these races. So once you go through the events in a certain region, uh, so if you do all the European ones, once you've done those, it opens up this kind of uh, series of heat races. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's normally a track, you know, and it starts in one place, it ends in the, and you race against eight competitors. You need to come within the top four to beat that section. You then go into the next heat, and there's four of you. You need to get in the top two, and then there's two of you, and you need to win to complete it. Uh, once you've done that, and you gain a certain number of levels there's a final section to each of these where it's that exact same thing it's the three heats but it's in one event yeah so you need to be careful because if you make a mistake in the second event when you redo it you start from the beginning you know from the first heat not from the beginning of the the race okay hey it's it's trials they've got the loop yeah they've added the loot box system in uh you can't i don't think you can use real world money it's fine and it's all aesthetic Uh, oh you can i don't know if you can buy i don't know if you can buy loot boxes with it but you can buy like cosmetics with it the acorns are real world currency oh right Ah, I've never really had to. It seems to all be cosmetic. Well, I, 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 I was going to say it's not the playing it and uh, seeing what I've seen of it. There doesn't seem to be anything that points you in the direction of, hey, do you know that you can spend real money on this? No, yeah, it doesn't seem to. It seems to be quite well hidden. Yeah, Ubisoft uh, are usually pretty decent about that. Yeah, and it's all cosmetic, and it seems to come up at at one point like you say you can win it in the random loot boxes and they've been doing events as well so they did a big easter event 
and the the main thing there was a big Easter Bunny costume that you <laughs> you could win. Um, it's trials. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what more you want to really. Yeah, I feel like I was basically the same when I was trying to describe it a few weeks ago. It's like it's it's trials. Like it doesn't do anything special or anything really new, but it's it's a good trials game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's again. It's one of those games you can turn it on. You can have a little bit of fun with it for a bit. Uh, I have. They have ramped up the difficulty. I'll say that. I um, feel like they have, but I also feel like that game sticks you with the easy tracks for quite a while. But then the moment you yes. start bumping up to anything past easy, like the difficulty is, is there. But there's still yes. like a surprising amount of easy tracks and it takes a wee bit before you're actually like... It feels like the game um, is very much takes a while before it goes, all right, here you go. Here's the real shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Because you get to even the medium tracks and you go, oh, some of these are a little bit difficult. And then the hard ones and it's just like... There's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just stepped right up from there. Definitely. It just takes a wee while to get there. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else you can really say about it. Yeah, I really like it. Um, I was slightly worried with the Switch version before it came out because it, you know, the Switch doesn't have like analog triggers, which are usually very useful for that game. But I've kind of, I've been fine with just the buttons. Right. I I was using the buttons at first and then I started using the triggers and yeah, I've been quite happy with it to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, I just mean because the triggers don't have you know, they're not like full blown triggers like the PS4, or the Xbox or anything. Yes. Just, yeah, they are yeah. they are basically just buttons. Um Yes. But I, yeah, I've been fine with those. Apparently you can also use I don't know if it's on by default if you have to turn a setting on, you can also use like the right stick to be your throttle but i've never oh okay like if you want more analog control but that just seems a bit awkward to be honest uh i can well if you bear with us for a (laughs) second we can actually (laughs) i have it loaded up so we can have a look and try and see what it does um but it is yeah where i am i've done all the medium races and i'm on the high ones now and i'm just getting my butt kicked nice so uh, i mean if that's what you're into yeah well right so <laughs> let's see here we go three two one and yes you can uh i wouldn't suggest it <laughs> but i mean it gives you a bit more analog control over like your speed so i could see why that would be beneficial yeah. for some people i couldn't get the hang of it and so i was like nah I'll stick with the buttons. The buttons are doing fine. I can just feather the button. Yes, yeah. No, that does not work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, i am been happy with the game. Uh, happy with the price. Hey, it's Trials. You're either going to like it or you're not. It's... Yeah. That's it, really. Uh, I, I feel like most of what I've been playing this week is... That's it. It's hey, this is what it is. It it's nothing special. If you like it, that's cool. You like it. If not, then uh, go play something else. Yeah, it's kind of 
yeah it definitely you you have days like or weeks like that sometimes where it's just like ah it's this these games are just you know more which is fine yes so shall we move on to talk about the last video game that we've got that we've both played sure it'd be days gone yes which uh speaking of games that are kind of similar to other games days gone (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i think i'm a fair bit further than you in days gone yes i am uh I have just cleaned out my first bandit camp. Yes, pretty early. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I played a lot of I had a four day weekend, just the weekend past there, and I played a lot of days gone during it. Um because I also just wasn't feeling great. So I was like, well, I'm gonna lie on the couch, be kinda sick, and just play days gone. And I like it. Yes. But it's uh, it's quite generic. Yes. But it's I think it falls into like you know how we on this podcast I think we liked the Mad Max game that came out a couple of years ago way more yes. than the rest of the internet. Yep. Uh, I feel like this game falls into a similar camp, apart from the fact that it seems like most of the internet is on our side as well with this one. Yes. But not reviewers, <laughs> which is. It's one of those things where I, when playing the game, kind of agree with all of the complaints that the reviewers have, and then I'm also like, yeah, but I'm enjoying it more than I, than the sum of its parts, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. Like, when you look at it piece by piece, like Days Gone is a, a post-apocalyptic zombie game where it's open world, you play as a biker called Deacon St. John, who is has the worst name in the history of video games and is possibly <laughs> one of the worst characters in the history of video games. Um, yeah. He's just a rubbish, boring biker character. Like, there's nothing interesting about his character, especially coming, like, right... I just finished Red Dead Redemption 2, which has possibly, like, one of the most interesting, in-depth, like, you know, fleshed-out protagonists in a an open world game that we've had in a long time, then <laughs> jumping into this with fucking angry biker man <laughs> is is like fucking whiplash. Um, but it's an open world game where you're, you know, doing story missions, and there's like a lot of them, and then there's also kind of the usual stuff you would get in an open world game of this style like a kind of almost kind of far cry style of you're clearing out bandit camps you're hunting uh deer and other wildlife you're i, th- I don't think there's a fishing mini game if there is they've but not you... introduced it yet but it would <laughs> yeah. fit i mean if i got an- another mission it said there's a fishing mini game now i would believe it um (laughs) but despite that like if you look at it the sum of its part or if you look at like the individual parts of it it's like it's this kind of far cry style open world game where you're it's got a little bit more of a focus on scavenging things so you yes you don't have as much ammo as you would in a lot of other action games you don't have uh as much health 
as you would and so you're constantly you take a lot of damage so you're constantly healing and using up your healing resources and so you're needing to scavenge for bandages and stuff like that yeah um your only mode of transport is your motorcycle and it guzzles fuel like crazy to the point yes. where even characters in the world are like why are you riding that fucking motorcycle it guzzles fuel like crazy <laughs> um <laughs> And so you're trying to find fuel canisters out in the world as well, uh, or just restocking at different camps, which the camps aren't that far apart from each other, so I can usually just do that. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, zombies around as well. So as well as clearing out bandit camps, you're clearing out, like, zombies, zombie infestations. Yes, yeah. It, the little that I have played of it so far... It feels there's something that feels a little bit, I want to say fresh. And to try and justify that, the stealth element seems to be more prevalent in this one. The only one that I felt the where I used the stealth quite a bit was, um, it was kind of zombie one as well with the plants last of us last of us yeah i can see that yeah it's definitely got yep. a bit more of a, a stealth bent than previous ones especially because it has that thing where you take a lot of damage yes yeah so yeah when, so... You, when you're clearing out you know a camp of you know bandits you don't want to just run and gun because if you take a couple of hits then you're down pretty much yeah uh i like the the sound design which is something that you sometimes normally if it's done well you won't notice it but sometimes it is done well and you do notice a couple mm -hmm. of things so the the audio clues to when you've got the zombies around you yeah is i think is really well done there is when you're sneaking up on people you can hear the conversations further away they're quite faint and they get closer um if you've got the stereo on your tv working you you know it's playing it through yeah. the various parts of the speakers excellent well done and then there's other little things uh see if you pick up uh, a can uh, a gas can for mm -hmm. the the bike and you run with it it sloshes yeah i feel like a lot of the the audio stuff is done really well and it maybe stands out a bit more when it doesn't work well as a result. Um, yeah. Because I have found that a lot of times in that game, so the main gist of, like, the main structure of that game is that you will get radio calls from people from different survivor camps or from yes. your, your yeah. buddy Boozer. And sometimes they're just having conversations. Sometimes they're to go and do a mission. You get them... At least I have gotten them a lot of times when stealthing through somewhere. Right. And the game doesn't, like, pause. Like, it will pause and interrupt if you get into combat. If you get into combat, Deacon will basically be like, oh, hold on a second, and then you'll do a combat, and then afterwards he'll phone them back and be like, yeah, sorry about that. If uh. you're just stealthing, they'll just keep doing it. So there's a lot of times where I've just been like, you know, edge of my seat, like a fucking zombie right in front of me as I'm trying to sneak through to get like a gas canister so I can get the fuck out of there. And then all of a sudden it's like Boozer phoning up to ask what you're doing. And Deacon's just like, oh yeah, nothing much. And it's like, there's a zombie right there. What are you doing? 
<laughs> and it happens constantly. Right. Um, the other thing is, uh, one of the survivor camps is, uh, is like a, it's a bunch of like fucking libertarian kind of, um, like truthers, and they're like trying to tell the truth about how the government caused the zombies. Which, to be fair, the way stories go, and seems like they probably did. That's usually how these things right. go. But still, they're like really annoying, like generic American kind of like you know truther types. And right, yeah, he has a radio station, and so every now and again, your radio picks up his radio show. Right, and it's bad because it's meant to be. It's like a you know, it's a parody of that kind of like truther kind of stuff, and you can skip it by holding like the touchpad and it turns it off. But whenever you turn it off, Deacon like yells something, and he always yells it, and it's always like. I think the acting is usually really good in the main story stuff, but for some reason it feels like they should have probably redone all of the, like, taking at least one other take of all of the lines for turning off the radio. Because he's always yelling something like, Not today, Copeland! And also, again, <laughs> he'll yell it, no matter what the context is. So if you're sitting in, like, a fucking, you know, pile of bushes waiting for, uh, you know, a bandit to walk past so you can stab them... Uh-huh. Deacon just yells that thing. And of course, the world doesn't react to it, which stands out even more than it would otherwise because, you know, sound is so well designed for the rest of it. And it's used in some cool ways in some places. But you'll just yell when you're turning off the radio and everyone ignores it. It's <laughs> And it's bizarre. Um, but then they use audio in some really cool ways as well. There's these Nero checkpoints, which Nero is basically their, you know, their, like... Uh, I don't know what you call them, but the, the they're the disaster relief people, but they're also military because it's a video game. Um, yes, yeah. And so they're like they're there to quarantine places and whatever. And this is set a couple of years after the outbreak, so their their checkpoints are all gone. They're all just wreckages, but they have some cool shit in them. And yes, if you clear them out, there's like beds that you can sleep in in them as well, and you can fast travel to those places. So you, it's in it's your benefit to clear them out, find a fuel canister, sometimes you have to find a fuse, uh, refill uh-huh. the generator, turn the generator on. But yes. if you turn the generator on, all it causes the, noise. It causes noise because these checkpoints have giant speakers on them because they were designed to bring in survivors to get them out of harm's way. But of course, there's no survivors anymore. There's just zombies <laughs> everywhere. So when these speakers start blaring stuff, all the zombies start showing up. Um, which you learn once and then every time afterwards you climb on top of the Nero checkpoint and you cut down the speakers before you turn the generator on but yeah, you know th- that first time you do it you're like oh shit like I'm just standing here and there's zombies coming in um, and that's a cool mechanic like I really like that sometimes like I have at times when clearing out those checkpoints left one of the speakers because sometimes they're not on the actual checkpoint themselves Sometimes they're like right. daisy chained across like the the gate going into the checkpoint or something, and sometimes I'll right. just leave one of them, then turn generator on, so all the zombies go over there, and it makes them an easier target to clear everything out, which is cool. The zombie mechanics in general are really cool because they're like I've not dealt much with the horde stuff, which is kind of what they, you know, marketed this game on primarily. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've encountered them once, and it was actually quite a cool kind of encounter. But hordes of zombies are what it sounds like. They are that kind of um, 
I feel like the best example of them, as terrible as it is, because I mean that movie was alright, is World War Z. Like that the World War Z movie did those yeah. kind of those waves of zombies that you know would just they had no because they're zombies, they don't have any you know, care about personal space and things like that to each other. And so they run practically through each other in these big, almost like waves of, you know... The, the, yes, the, the mountains of zombies coming over the... Exactly. The I don't think they... The the, I don't think I don't think this game does the mountains of zombies thing, but it does very much the kind of like, you know, 30 zombies all come the same way through, you know, something and they flow like a fucking, like, wave, like water, <laughs> like a, you know... Is a flow yes, yeah. of zombies. It's like you've turned a tap and then all these zombies have come out. Um, yeah. And the only time I've encountered that was one I was doing a mission that involved sneaking in somewhere and this area was filled with zombies and I went in super quiet, didn't encounter any of them, snuck in and was inside this house, did the mission stuff and then as I was about to leave, like four like bandits showed up on bikes just drove straight in, ignoring everything, making a ton of noise, and stood outside. I don't know if it was a mission thing. Like I don't know if they were meant to show up to jump me as I left this building. But I didn't leave the building. Right. I just sat and looked out the window, and they started shooting the zombies that were nearby, because that's what they do. They're like, oh, there's zombies, got to clear them out. And then this yeah. horde... Just like this horde just like fucking descended on the noise, and there's just like 40 zombies just flowing around everything, like over cars and stuff like that, and descending on these four unhappy bandits. And I was like, well, I'm just going to sit here until this calms down and get the fuck out of here. Um, nice. It was really cool. Like, there's, there's moments like that where this game's really cool, and then there's moments where that similar thing happens, but Deacon randomly yells something fucking stupid, and you're like, I'm being stealthy here. Calm down, buddy. <laughs> um yeah i don't know it's that thing where i i'm enjoying it a lot but it's so generic in so many ways yes yeah the, it started up and i thought we were gonna get i wasn't too sure how it was gonna start and it like you said that the only way to describe it is generic you know it starts off the thing has happened um, and he's with a loved one, and uh, we can go together right now. We'll be safe. And he does the heroic thing. No, no, you go. I'll catch up with you in a second. I'll be right there. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like right. Yep. So far, tick a box. And <laughs> then the you know it cuts to where you are now. And yeah, it is. It's just checking boxes it is pretty much the same opening as the last of us yeah but not playable which is weird yeah and also so you do more there's like a series of side missions that you can do that are like they show more of that event oh okay like more of that intro sequence and they very much feel like they were playable at one point like, like they, they right. didn't get it finished and then just cut up the cutscenes and chuck them in instead, because there's just like these weird cuts where it'll be like, um, it'll be like, oh, we're gonna we've got to get across the city, and then like a black screen for a couple of seconds, and it's like we got across the city. And it's like this was definitely, 
<laughs> this is or like you know he bits where he's like they're going somewhere and then it cuts to him like sneaking up on a guy that is you know defending the the door of a building with a gun and it's like this bit was the way this is cut this was definitely playable at some point right or like you wanted it to be at some it's weird um yeah especially because the game is like really polished other than that like other than the like little audio bugs i've had here and there like, it looks great it yes it controls great again coming off of red dead so snappy right. and it just controls yes, well yeah. um it's, it's weird the weirdest thing with with this was you jump on the bike and you take off and that bike handles like a pig yeah like the intro one yes the like one Stop. that you would assume would be the kind of you know abilities like here's the souped up bike that you're going to get at the end of the game kind of moment and yes it controls like garbage yeah so then you get you know uh again generic story you you lose that bike for one reason or another yeah uh and you get this other bike that's not as good and <laughs> supposedly yes uh this one handles okay but i've noticed the best way to handle these things is not to use the throttle <laughs> that's yeah you can it encourages you to do that at points because it's like oh you can save you can you know save on fuel if you just don't right don't use the throttle and also your bike makes noise so yes you yeah. know you can if you find a hill well, maybe you just want to turn you know, turn off and just let it go i i thought that might come into it uh but yeah i've just been doing that naturally because yeah. i found it easier to handle on the bike um because it doesn't turn very well <laughs> at all <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely got uh, a wide kind of arc. You kind of have to get used to it. Yeah. Compared to the starting bit or the like intro mission, like the tutorial mission bike, which turns too well and you try yeah. to turn at all and you just fucking skid out and then it's like, why yes. is this? Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, yeah. It's in terms of open world vehicles, you know, or vehicles in these types of games. It doesn't handle that bad when you think about some of the Grand Theft Auto vehicles. <laughs> no, it definitely <laughs> controls better than bikes do in the Grand Theft Auto series. Yes, yeah. Which have historically been bad. <laughs> yes. As much yeah, as I so... like more bikes and games. Um, uh, I, I quite like the way the bike handles. Like I've got a couple upgrades now, to be fair, but I actually right. kind of like how it handles. Um, I... Like I, that's actually one of my favorite parts of this game is just kind of like driving around the motorcycle into the open world and finding areas to you know scavenge new things i kind of wish there was it's kind of weird where like i didn't really like the state of decay games the ones that uh paul really likes well i was just about to bring those up i was just about to say that this feels like a good state of decay game it kind of does but i also kind of wish it had the the <laughs> Not as much of the management stuff that State of the Gay has, but I wish it had like a little bit of it. Because All right, okay. State of the Gay has a lot of like you're scavenging buildings in State of the Gay because you need food and supplies and medicine yes. for your yeah. camp. Not just for you, but for your camp and the stuff to upgrade your camp. 
and so and far they give at you least, shopping lists and- yeah exactly and so far that's not really a thing in this at least so the stuff you're scavenging no. for in this is bullets which you can also buy uh equipment to make uh medicine or bandages primarily yeah. uh which again you can actually also buy which is maybe the bit where this falls apart slightly. But if you've used some and you're already out and about, you don't want to go back to camp to buy some. It makes sense to scavenge them. Um, yes. And Molotovs. And that's pretty much all I've needed to you know, create. And you find ample resources for that stuff. Uh, the one thing that I found not even rarer, but you know, slightly less common is just scrap, which you use for like repairing your weapons and your bike which that's slightly i mean you find it in a lot of like ruined cars and stuff like that but it only respawns like i was actually reading up a thing about this where it doesn't respawn constantly it respawns basically when you rest and even then it only respawns in some areas like it's a randomized thing so right okay basically to start with you know every car will have scrap as you scavenge it, some of them will have scrap. So the more you use it, there's less of it there, basically. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, which I quite like that as a thing. Um, yeah, you're basically yeah. kind of... The more you stay in this area and the farther away from the... The more days gone it is from the event. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I am enjoying it so far. I... I'm liking the way that they've got the, the whole scavenging thing going on. I like the weapons. So you've yeah. got your melee weapons and you've got your firearms and you can switch between them quite easily. Yeah, I definitely. do like that. It's just a, a button press. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I like the the craft or the... Uh, what are the Your inventory wheel so you, where you do your crafting and your yeah. equipping. It's, all very it's quite nice. Snappy. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It it so far the game seems worth the wait because we've been waiting. We were waiting for this one for a little while. Yeah, this one's been like uh, delayed like nineteen times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, despite, like you say, despite the story being generic, and that's the thing. I think, the, like, I think the story's all right. Like, it's not bad. I think it's well told and well acted. If nothing else, like it seems like a well-written well-acted game it's just like the core overarching theme of it is very generic like the individual stories Uh of the camps all seem pretty decent so far um i don't really like deacon saint john as a character but i'm gonna give this the game like right i'm gonna give it you know a chance to try and either i don't think they're going to redeem them but if they try and at least tell a story that that makes it so you're not meant to like him anyway, then I can understand that. Like, not every video game protagonist has to be a likable character. Yes, yeah. You know, they can be a shitty character and have a story built around them that makes it interesting that they're a shitty character. Right now, it's just Deacon St. John going about going, I've got a code, I don't shoot women and children unless I have to. And it's like, yeah, but (laughs) literally of the two starting camps that you can send survivors to, one of them is a slave camp. And you seem pretty okay with that. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. And the not to like spoil stuff, but slightly later in the story, 
you go to a third camp and everyone there hates you because you were selling people to the slave camp. Oh. And it's like Yeah. So it's like it's not just like a even if you didn't choose to end game, even though there's a couple of missions that force you to, if you never did it like end game, like the implication is this character has been doing this for a while. That's just what he does. He sells you know, he tries to get around it and be like, it's a work camp, completely different. It's like is this a slave camp, man? This this one. <laughs> we don't use that word. Prisoners he, with jobs. Basically, literally, like the fucking woman that runs it was a prison warden. Um, it's that kind of stuff. Is like they they make me hate Deacon Saint John, and I hope that that is intentional, and it's not just they wrote a bad character. I hope it is a yeah. case of, well, yeah, you're meant to because. This because happens this, in the story. Yeah. Um but then also there's like some overall bits that are a bit generic in the story as well, where it's like, oh yeah, of course he gets separated from his wife during the event. And as far as he's aware, she's dead. As far as I'm aware, yeah. she's dead. Like I not that's not to spoil something in the game, I don't know. As far as I know, yeah. she's yeah. she's dead as well. Um of course, right at the start of the game, his best friend who he lives with and is like the other survivor he camps out with and is planning on leaving with soon. Yes. Of course he gets injured. I can't do much, so you have to go out on your I own. I can't do much. Hey, spoilers for every zombie movie ever. He gets worse. <laughs> no. <laughs> spoilers for every zombie movie ever. He gets a bit worse. In fact, I'm pretty sure the mission where he gets a bit worse is called, like, couldn't have seen this coming. Like, they at least oh, seem wow. somewhat aware. But it's like, you still did it, though. Yeah. Um... But also, so they don't actually call them zombies because every zombie movie or game at this point now needs to not use the word zombie because reasons. Um, I don't know what those reasons are. Uh-huh. I can only assume that Romero owns the rights to the word zombie. Which is what I want to believe. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, but so they call them freakers and the whole thing about them is that they're freakers they're slightly smarter than zombies and they, they're fast, they're running zombies they're definitely not like the zombies out of 28 years later, nope um, and they use this as a thing to basically give them slightly more slightly higher intelligence, they're actually more equivalent to the the, the, the zombies in I say zombies, they weren't really zombies, but uh, the, the creatures in uh, I Am Legend. Ah, uh, right, okay. Where they're not as smart as those ones were, because obviously that's kind of the point of that movie and book. But they're smart enough that they have routines. So, for example, if you... One of the side objectives in this game is to like burn down their nests, which, for starters, they make nests. They all live in these nests, which are basically described as you know big horrible things that they go in and poop because yeah they, they poop and they sleep there because that's what they do because they're zombies and all that human flesh they're eating has to go somewhere um which <laughs> if nothing else is actually kind of a silly but neat thing that they add into the lore of this game because right most zombie stuff doesn't explain where where that goes zombies just eat human flesh and that's that done yes yes where, yeah. where does it go don't ask questions um no one has thought to answer the question do zombies poop until days gone <laughs> where we've learned yes they do um but you have to burn down these nests which basically means that next time you go through that area there'll be less zombies there or freakers right. um 
But if you burn them down at night, there will be more freakers in the nest. Right. No, sorry, the opposite way around. There'll be less freakers in the nest because at night they leave the nest and they wander about. So there'll be more in the area around the nest, like wandering around, you know, attacking right. anything nearby. But there'll be less in the nest. So you can burn down the nest. And when you burn down the nest, any freakers in it run out at you. Yeah. So if you burn down the nest at night, maybe one or two of them's going to run out at you. If you burn right, down so you- through a day, they're all in there basically sleeping because their daylight does bad things they're to all, them. They're all pooped out. <laughs> basically, yeah. <laughs> um, and so more of them will come out. And so you'll have to face more of them at once. Whereas if they're there at night, either you can avoid attacking them entirely or you can attack them like one at a time. But then the catch here is also they're stronger at night because the implication is like UV rays like weaken them to some degree. They're kind of right. vampire things in that way. Yeah. Um, which again is something that reminds me of I Am Legend because that's how that worked. Um, at least in the movie. I can't remember how the book handled it differently because that movie is nothing like the book um but yeah it's it's a neat kind of trade-off because it means you can be like oh i'm going to try and clear these all out at night because even though these zombies are a bit stronger i can avoid fighting as many of them yeah um or you can do what i do which you run in you molotov cocktail the nests and you run the fuck out of there (laughs) then you get on your bike and you drive (laughs) Um, <laughs> which is also a completely valid option. Um, yes, yeah. So I do like that where when you first start kind of exploring the world and you stop somewhere and you may trigger something, it comes up and it says, sometimes the best thing is to run. You don't have to fight. You don't have to do what you came to do. Just, you know, get in your bike and fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Which is definitely a good thing to do if, like, a horde descends on you and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, so it it does push the survival thing a lot more than any other game. Yeah. Well, any other, uh, like, I'd say any other game of this budget. Yes, yeah. Because um, obviously there's a lot of, you know, pure survival games. Um, yeah. And I feel like even State of Decay kind of handles it a bit more as a, like, this, you're characters not getting permanent injuries like in state of decay um yeah it's definitely a lot more it's a lot more accessible than other survival games are uh it kind of just borrows mechanics from them uh which i like because i'm usually not a big fan of survival games like i said i don't really like state of decay that much but i feel like this game borrows some of those mechanics in a good enough way that you get some of the the thrill like i feel like once i'm finished with this game if i booted up state of decay 2 i would get it a bit better like i would probably be able to play it more and get into it yes yeah yeah it's it's a good gateway game because it's taking the open world that you know you know from spider-man red dead grand theft and it's adding this survival element to it uh and then it is it's it's a good gateway to move on to your your pure survival games yeah uh because when you think of it the the, the kind of the missions in this is 
it does feel a little bit of training wheelsy, yeah. but the the they are still linked to the story as well. So, and the story is it exists. The story's built up well enough, yeah. you know, so you don't just feel like you're. Uh, hey, there's a you know there, there's a big watering hole with a fishing pole go let's go fish it doesn't <laughs> feel like that yeah um, yeah definitely but i think yes. it does a good job of blending that kind of you know slightly more story heavy approach that we get from these big budget first party titles with yeah you know that kind of survivally element stuff that we usually get in smaller games yes um, uh, it doesn't go as deep into the you know survival stuff but that's kind of okay um and i and for what's worth i'm liking the story so far like like i said it's well written and the, it's well acted apart from some weird deacon randomly shouting shit kind of things um like i think the core of it is probably not going to be super surprising like given how much they keep hammering home deacon's wife is dead i'm guessing she's alive because yes. that's generally how that goes <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, his friend is sick. I assume it's going to get worse. Maybe it'll get better. That would be a nice change of pace. Well, Sometimes that happens. I, I think he's he's going to end up at death's door, and yeah. he is going to have a one. There's going to be one place to get to, and he's going to go there. It's his last hope, and you know he's just going to get there. He's going to be on his last legs as well. He's going to bump into. I don't think it's his wife, isn't it? His sister. No, it's his wife. Oh, it is his wife. They they show right. the wedding letter. He has her name oh, right. tattooed on his neck, <laughs> which also bizarre design choices, like ways to make me hate a character. He has his fucking wife's name tattooed on his neck. <laughs> That's oh. in case he wakes up in the morning and he forgets. Yeah, but and then looks in the mirror and is like, ah, yeah. Ar- Aris? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should have been like an ambulance and got it on there reversed. <laughs> Backwards. <laughs> but yes, he's going to pop into a place and, you know, oh, it's you. And it's going to tie it all together in a bow and they're all going to head off. So uh, let me let me just say, as someone who is not like I've played a decent amount of this now, but I'm apparently not that far into it still, because um, this game is apparently really really long. Uh, other than the bet with the what you described with his wife, because yes. I, as far as I'm aware, his wife is still dead. Um, right. In fact, I just did a side mission where the character, one of the characters, is basically like, "No, your wife's definitely dead," and it's like, "All right, well, I guess she's dead then." Um, other than that, all the stuff you described, Boozer, is literally what just happened in the mission I just did in this game. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was on Death's Door. We had to take him somewhere. Oh, we have to take him to this camp that hates us now because I was selling slaves, but he's on Death's Door. He needs to go. <laughs> <laughs> literally what you just described. Um, I'm enjoying it, but yes, it's pretty generic it's in that a, way. It's not. Yes. You're not going to go into it thinking, oh man, this is like some revolutionary thing it it's a good game it's i can see why i got a lot of sevens i would maybe rate it a little yeah. bit higher so far but i've not finished it yet and the story is what it is um but i'm enjoying it that's the i think the the important part a lot more than i thought i would yes 
Yeah. I had, like, if you guys go back and listen to older episodes of this podcast, like, particularly around, like, E3 last year and I think the year before. Yep. Because we've been seeing Days Gone for a while now. You'll hear me go, it looks all right. <laughs> you know? Yes. No, I was never super excited about it. It seemed interesting. I liked the waves of zombie stuff. I've not really encountered that much in the real game yet, but it's... Yeah. I don't know. Days Gone is cool, I guess. Yeah. It's like probably doing really well. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, any other video games you want to mention? Uh, you did have Baba as you on here. I did, yes. Uh, I hate that game. Really? <laughs> <laughs> or do you hate it because it's hard? I hate it because it's hard. All right, that's okay then. Uh, I love that game, but I hate it because it's hard. Oh, it's, so I've, I've got to a point now where I've just had brain freeze and I play it with Anne and, yeah, I need my wife to play the game with me. That's understandable. Uh, it is it's one of those where many hands make light work as you get the, as the puzzles... Uh, as you get further into the game, yeah. I have got uh, to the point where I'm not sure if I can progress any further because the puzzles are just that hard. Um, but I've cleared out a lot of the worlds because obviously it's split oh, wow. into different okay. worlds. I've cleared out all except for, I think, two of them on the map. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't know if I can do any more <laughs> because every time I load up another mission, another puzzle, I'm just like, I don't any idea of what to do here um i'm still enjoying it i've got to the point in that game where like it has <laughs> i got to the point in that game where i was like you know i've only got like two or so worlds looking at this map it looks like i've only got two or so worlds left and then the game was like ah, let's throw in some weird shit now and it's like wait what <laughs> what like, there's more to that game than that overworld map, which already that overworld map is pretty filled. Wow. Um, I won't spoil the weird shit that happens, but weird shit happens. Um, cool. Yeah, I I love that game. That's... I said it before, but a lot of really good games will need to come out this year to make sure that Baba as You is not on my top five at the end of the year. Wow. Because yeah. it's, it's that much fun. Uh... I probably won't have finished also... it, but <laughs> uh, I also picked up. I came out. I think it came out this year, but we didn't speak about it because no one picked it up. Was the the kimono? Is it the kimono girls? Oh god, I know. version Something of like Picross. So it's the version of uh, Picross on the Switch, which is it's a tie-in to uh, this strange little anime. Yeah, I've never watched. Uh, it. Or heard of it no. until this game came out. No, I hadn't heard about it, and it basically came out. It was because or the anime was created because of drawings, I think, or something. It it's basically it's like a Transformers thing. It was made to promote something else. That sounds about right. Uh, and the premise of this one is that it's a zoo, but the the animals have taken the shape of, you know, cute girls. All right. So uh, 
but that's as far as it goes. It doesn't get any from what I've read. Do they transform like magically, or is this like some Island of Doctor Moreau shit? I think it's like Island of Cute Doctor Moreau. All right. Um, I mean, the movie version of Island of Doctor Moreau. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that so, movie. It's, it's bad. No. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's bad. Uh, but it's yeah, it's one of those where the you know so the animals they they don't they haven't transformed. They're just uh, what do they call them? The furries. Basically, it's, it's the board. opposite. Yeah, it's uh, the opposite of anthropo. I can't even say the word anthropo. That one. That one. Yes. I'm not gonna try. Uh, yeah. So it's you've got these. Uh, it's a tie-in with that. It's Picross. It's fine. No problems at all. You've got the starts off with the five by five grids. Then it moves to the ten by tens, fifteen by fifteens. And it's the exact same game as Picross 2, except it's different puzzles or different pictures that you're making. It's got the, the clip Picross, it's got the mega Picross once you fin- uh, if you feel up to a challenge. I still don't like mega Picross. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like so it. I picked that up for uh, when I went away to Europe for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Picked it up, did that. Yeah, it was nice. It was cool. Uh, and now there's Picross 3 that's come out as well. Yeah. Thinking about pick that, picking that up. That's the colour one. It's got different colours. Different colours, yeah. I might pick it up. What more do you need? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I might pick it up. Yeah. It's, what, it's eight or nine pound? Yeah, they're cheap. I didn't finish all the puzzles at the first one, though. I should probably go back and do that. I've got a few left on the first and I think I've got like two or three screens left on two and I'm not that far into the I think it's called Komodo Girls or Komodo or something like that something like that yeah something like that Uh, I've got a few quite a few left of that one but other than that that's it for video games we've got a quite a few board games or correction you've got quite a few board games yeah to for, for once change. for once i've been playing some board games yes rare occurrence um so yeah i'll let you pick which one we start with <laughs> so let's why don't you tell us about the one that will probably take the longest which is the kickstarter that i think it just got delivered which is the one for hellboy yeah it got delivered like a couple of weeks ago i didn't get it I didn't buy this no. one. Um, friend of the show, uh, Nathan did, and we played a decent amount of it. Um, that game's kind of cool. So it's based on the Hellboy comics, uh, primarily the I've not read them, but it's there's something to do with like a plague of frog monster things, and so it's primarily based right. on that. You're fighting a bunch of different frog monsters, um, but then it's like a big Kickstarter game. Like all Kickstarter board games, where it comes with like a thousand miniatures, and Nathan bought the the big fancy edition that you know. Can't, well, I don't know if actually it might just be all the Kickstarter ones are the big fancy edition. I didn't really look, uh, but basically you get big plastic versions of the tokens and stuff instead of little cardboard ones, right? Uh, which the rule book doesn't explain. 
So we had to Google it and be like, oh, the setup says put this token on the board, but we don't have this token. And it's like, oh, yeah, you have this big bit of plastic instead. And it's like, why didn't right. you tell us this? Um, <laughs> so is this a Simon game? Do you know? I don't I think don't it is. I don't think it is. I forget the name of the company that made this one. Um, I will Google it very quickly while I'm doing this. Uh, by Mantic Games. Ah, right. Okay. I don't know what else they made. Uh, Mantic Games, they have done previous Kickstarters. Yeah, Star Saga, Dreadball, The Walking Dreadball. Dead, All Out War miniatures game. Yes, yeah, so they've done, it's just basically other licensed miniatures games. Yeah. And Dread, the first one that they did, Dreadball, which is basically, it's like future the, sports. yeah, it's a feature sport. It's like, a future version of Blood Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they've done a few different Kickstarter for that one, actually. Um, but yes, it, it's by them. It's it's relatively straightforward. It, you play as a character uh, from the Hellboy series. So um, we went through the tutorial to start with where you, one person plays as Hellboy and one player, person plays as Abe Sapien. And... You have your little miniature and you go from room to room. Um, basically, each scenario starts with you constructing a room out of these kind of preset, you know, different sized rooms. And then you put doors to connect them all up and you place cards down, face down, they're shuffled. But it tells you, like, all the cards have little icons on them. And so each scenario will be like, you use the ones with these icons and then you shuffle them all together and you place one of those cards face down each room. And then as you go enter a room, you flip it over and it'll say there's two frog monsters in here and you'll put the frog monsters in or it'll be like there's a clue to in here as well right um, okay like it's, it's kind of like straightforward and you're kind of exploring these rooms that way um but the way it works is is it is very simple and i i actually quite like it it's basically you have um and i've not played a lot of games similar to this like i know there are tons that are basically this same structure so it's probably very similar to games that tons of people like have played already but i've, I've not um it's you have uh, like free actions and you know actions that cost uh you know stamina and you have like three little cubes that are your stamina and right so movement costs a stamina and each character can move two squares so each room is split up into squares some of the rooms are bigger and they've got like four squares, some are two, etc, etc. Um, but you can also, for free actions, do things like explore. And so if you are standing in a grid, in a square next to a door, you can explore in that next room without actually using movement to go in it. And that basically just reveals what's in it. So it'll spawn any monsters that are in there and it'll spawn any you know, clues that are in there. And the gist of the game is that each scenario has a different kind of twist to it, but you're finding clues to find ways to defeat a boss at the end of it. Right. And so the more clues you find, there's different... You have to interact with it, and it's one of the actions you can do is to like examine a clue, and some characters are better at it than others, and you'll roll dice, and if you roll a three you get like one clue point basically and then any multiple of three above that you get an extra clue point as well so you can end up like stacking them up pretty quickly 
but then also you're just like fighting monsters and fighting monsters is all dice rolls it's uh got kind of a quite a cool skill system where each character has you know a different little menu of skills that are related to them and you have different weapons and stuff connected to your characters as well and they do this kind of cool thing which again i'm sure many games do this same thing where uh, everyone has different stats so for example hellboy is really good at punching things right he's not very good at shooting things as he famously said in that first del toro movie i've not got a very good aim but this bullet this gun shoots very big bullets um and so he doesn't like he can't he's got a yellow basically like it's color coded so yellow is kind of the lowest so his shooting is a yellow but his punching is red and so the the tiers go yellow orange red black black being like the highest and no one i don't think at least none, none of the characters we played with has like black as a starting thing but you'll get different buffs where you'll be like okay well i'm gonna punch a guy and my punching because i'm hellboy is red I'll get three red dice because you always roll three dice. Um, well, right. actually, you roll three dice for the thing you're rolling and then you roll a modifier. And if you're uh, boosting anything, like there's different ways of boosting them. Some items you'll get will boost things. Sometimes you'll get some kind of buff. Uh, I think you can also just like expend an extra stamina to roll a better dice for one of your dice. And the difference between dice is just like yellow dice are mostly blank and have some ones on them. And you know, oranges have slightly better, reds have like mostly threes on them, etc. etc. Right. Um, so it's just that kind of very standard, like here's better dice, you're gonna roll higher numbers. Um and it's like a very simple little system of like you're going about punching guys basically and beating up all these different monsters. And I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, I quite liked how the modifier dice stuff works because basically every time you make a dice roll, you also roll this little blue dice that's the modifier. And right. It just has a little element of kind of randomness to. I mean, it's already relative random because it's you know dice rolls, but you can skew your dice rolls to the point where you're not going to be able to go. Oh well, I you know, skewed it, so I'm rolling all threes. But you'll be able to ro- go. I'm rolling all reds, so. You know, I know I'm going. I'm more likely to get better rolls. So you're skewing your dice rolls that way. Uh huh. And then the modifier adds a little bit extra bit of randomness on top of that. So it's like most of them are good. Most of the things on that dice are good. So it's like you'll get a a re-roll, and it'll be like, oh, well, you can re-roll one of the three dice you've rolled. Um, there'll be just like a one or a two, so you can just get an additional one or two on top of whatever you rolled. There's a times two, which means that whatever the highest number was you rolled gets multiplied by two but then there's also like a skull and the skull is you know like basically like a, a critical miss so that means that the highest number you rolled is now a zero and also some items you have will have like a critical roll thing so for example i think it's hellboy's gun if you get a critical roll while shooting someone using hellboy's gun you run out of bullets, basically. And you need to spend some of your stamina tokens to reload your gun next turn. Right. Um, and it's relatively like straightforward like that. It's, it's all, all all the actions you can do are these similar kind of dice rolls. 
and you just use the stats on your little character sheet to decide what you're going to do. Um, and it's not super, you know, like, it's not super in-depth or anything like that. It's all relatively, you know, easy to get into like that. It's, you know, it would probably fall into that kind of genre of Ameritrash pretty yes, firmly. Um, absolutely, yeah. Especially because it is very thematic and story-heavy. So, you know, the Kickstarter one in particular, I don't know if the main game comes with this, um, but the Kickstarter version comes with, like, a ton of different characters you can play as. There's, like, three different versions of Hellboy, and then there's, like, you know, uh, Abe, and there's the Lob... Is it the Lobster that's the name of the other hero from it? Um, I'm not... Not 100% I, sure. I I just watched that recent Hellboy movie the other week. That movie's bad. Um, I believe so. It's not great. Uh, it has moments, but it's overall it's not great. It made me want to read the comics, though. It's that kind of thing, like... I guess listeners of podcasts won't really know this, but uh, Mortal Engines came out last year and was a terrible movie, and I went and read that book afterwards because I was like, there's enough of it that I was like, the source material for this must be pretty good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, this is the Hellboy the new Hellboy movie is very similar to that where it's like this movie's bad but there's just enough good bits that I wonder if the comics are good um, right but yeah this game has like a ton of characters you can play as at least the Kickstarter version does I don't know what the difference is um, the as you play through it you're going through these different kind of areas and you're there only seemed we played two scenarios and both times we were fighting frog people I don't know if there was like a whole basically like sheet of miniatures that were all different Nazi soldiers. So I assume you fight Nazis at some point, but we only fought frog people, which was fine. Right. Um I like how they handle their little uh, their campaigns basically. It's not like a campaign based game, but you know, like little scenarios for it. Because they basically are like little miniature campaigns where you get they're all in little sealed packs of cards. And you open it up and it's got that thing where it's like, oh, it's got a card on the back that says, this is the bottom of the deck. Flip it over, you idiot. Um, and then, you know, the top where it has like an introduction to the story and it'll say like, you know, flip this over. And you'll flip oh, it cool, over yeah. and it'll be like, okay, set up the board looking like this. And it'll have like a picture of, you know, how you've got to set up the board. And then cool. it'll be like, add the monsters from, you know, add these monsters in these positions so basically the way it usually works is you have uh i can't remember if they're numbered or they're layered i think it's like you have uh monsters a b c and d and it'll tell you which one's a which one's b which one's c which one's b yeah. and then everything else will just reference them as a b c d and you'll summon them that way and it'll be like ah put two a monsters in this room and you'll be like great and that's how they can reuse a lot of the cards for different scenarios um and that stuff's all cool and it works really well. And then this campaign, you'll get through it and some of them have like quite unique mechanics from each other, which is a cool idea. So, for example, we played one where like the base mechanic for finding clues and that little kind of... Uh, it's a little kind of track on the board goes up as you find clues and usually that just means you'll get like additional little tokens for doing it. Yeah. Um, one of the scenarios we played just ditched that. It was just like, whenever you find clues, just put a token straight on this card. Like, you just, you're going to need a ton of them, trust us. And it's like, okay, cool. 
Um, and that was because the boss you fight at the end of that is a ghost and you can't kill it or hurt it. And instead you spend these clue tokens at the end of it to make it vulnerable. And so you use one to attack it. Um, yeah. Which means you're taking a chance because we only had four. And so we we're taking a chance and it's like, well, we might miss or we might not do enough damage to knock him out. But basically you will be able to stun him, which basically just means he can't move for a turn. And that was like a cool additional mechanic. Um, we played like a couple of different rounds and the second round we played with three people instead of two people. And the character Nathan's girlfriend was playing as was this like a fire mage lady. I assume the one that was in like that first movie. Um, oh right yeah and she seemed incredibly overpowered i don't know if it's just because um if she was just better at playing the game than us but me and nathan were like walking into rooms and like punching guys and then it took a couple of turns and we're taking some hits back and then we're you're shooting them and she's just walking into rooms going that guy's dead that guy's dead uh that guy's dead that one over there dead uh it's like <laughs> great and it's like oh her whole mechanic is she has like an extra little card that you put a token on that tracks uh her heat so basically if you keep using her flame magic too much she'll like overheat and she'll just do damage to anything nearby so she'll do friendly fire basically right but she's just walking into rooms overcharging and then burning everything around her and being like well that was easy um and so like we had that thing where the ghost is there and it's like oh well this guy's got a ton of health we can use a token to hit him but we might not be able to take off it's going to take like a couple of tokens just to stun him for a turn so we'll do it when it matters and she's like nah i'm just gonna hit him knocks him down in one hit and we're like okay cool um my character we'll just we'll go out the door pretty much well the the this scenario had a unique mechanic where um the goal of it was not because the boss was most of the, the campaigns is defeat the boss. Presumably we only played the couple, but it sounds like it's defeat the boss. Um, because this boss was immortal, we obviously couldn't defeat the boss. And yeah. so our goal instead was there was another character there and we had to escort them out. And we had to just defend, or not necessarily defend them, but we all had to stay alive while escorting them out. And the way that works is basically just when you move, you can also carry something with you but that means you can only move one space instead of two or three or however many your character moves and so there's also things like if you're in the sp same space as a monster you need to roll to like take damage as you leave that space kind of like D, &D. Uh huh. my character was a uh, pancake hellboy which is a little kid hellboy eating pancakes who <laughs> i i picked as i think he's a kickstarter exclusive um, right. I picked because he seemed kind of useless and I thought it'd be funny um, because he has like orange for most of his skills so he's basically not very good at anything um, he's, not, right, okay. he's not terrible at everything but you know he's just not very good at anything uh, but his unique skill is that he well he has two unique skills, uh, most people do in it. Uh, he, his two skills were one, if you're on the same space as a monster and you only have one stamina token left, and you've already taken damage before, you need to use it to leave. Like, basically, he's a coward. It's like, you cannot stay in the same space. If you're 
in a position where you've already taken damage and you're in the same space as a monster, you need to leave. Right. And his other one is you can leave a space without taking damage. So I was instantly just like, I'm going to pick this fucker up and take him the hell out of here. You guys fight the bad guys. <laughs> and so <laughs> I just said Nathan and his girlfriend were just like basically standing in the doorway, like guns out, fucking attacking hordes of frog people as they were like coming towards them and this ghost. And I was just running the fuck out of there carrying this guy. <laughs> um, it was really fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I think the writing is really good on it. Like there's a lot of writing on those campaign cards that's really cool. Um, right. The Again, we only played a couple of different campaigns, but the campaigns seem to introduce unique mechanics in a cool way that keeps it fresh. It's not just fight some monsters and then fight a boss. It's We had this whole thing where um, the clues, which I didn't really explain very much, uh, they will often introduce like uh, kind of additional story beats as well. Like as you find more clues, um, it's kind of like how uh, like the legacy games work. Yes, yeah, I kind of got that idea. Yeah, so you know how like um, uh, Pandemic Legacy would have, you know, uh, when this event happens, flip this card or you'll get rid yes. of this card or something. It has that yeah. in the cards in the campaign. So some of them are just like, when you have found four clues, flip this card over. And it'll have another story beat that'll be like, you found the missing guy or you found this clue or whatever. And Yes, yeah. That's really cool. Like I, I think that works really well. Um, all the miniatures look great, as you kind of expect, because I think at this point it's rarer for, you know, miniatures in a Kickstarter game to look bad than to look good. Yes, yeah. Uh, basically these days in kickstarters the reason they get funded is because of the miniatures definitely and it's a big box i think there's also like an expansion coming that was part of the kickstarter as well but it's not right like they sent just the base game to start with because there was some delay with the expansion and they explicitly said because this shipped you know like a few weeks ago they're at that point the UK was meant to be leaving the EU and they were like, we're going to fucking just kick this out the door so that you guys can maybe get it before Brexit and you have to pay shipping. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it ships from the EU and they were like, well, we need to, we're going to kick it out just so that in case, so we can try and get it out before the UK leaves the EU because otherwise you're going to have to pay um, yeah, customs you're on gonna it. You're going to get hammed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they did that and they got the base game out. Uh, the one complaint I'll say that I have about it is uh, the tutorial, which I like in concept, but it, it's, it has this tutorial which is basically just a little shorter version of the rulebook that tells you how to set up a game. It has a little deck of cards that goes with it, like a custom little campaign, so you can actually play it without going through the tutorial. And right. The tutorial basically just step-by-step step goes, you know, the Hellboy player moves to here and does this and it uses these things. And so it's a good way of kind of teaching you how like the the flow of a round works. But it skips a lot of rules. And so there was multiple times where either we didn't know what we were doing and we had to look up in the rule book uh, after the tutorial or we look, we're looking at... There was a point where we were looking up... Um, like This game has requisition cards which are basically just items that you can buy. The tutorial doesn't explain buying or using requisition cards. Right. And so we were just like, oh, I don't know how this works. Um, one of the characters has an ability where like, he 
you know, checks his pockets and finds a requisition card, basically. So, like, that was pretty neat. Um, and we assumed that it was just something like that. But then, looking for another rule in the rule book, we just skimmed over a thing. It was like, oh, at the start of the game, you can buy a requisition card by doing this and this. And then we're like, oh, this tutorial doesn't mention that. How were we meant to know that? Um, yeah. Which is a bit of a shame. But other than the tutorial, the tutorial I, I really liked it. And the game's not that complicated anyway, so you can kind of just get into it. Um, like, it's the, it does that thing where you definitely kind of have those kind of moments you would expect from a kind of comic booky thing. Like, you know, Nathan and I were fighting this giant frogman monster thing, and it has, like, when you're fighting a boss, it has, again, most games I think have this. I've definitely seen it in other games. Um, it has its own deck of moves, basically. And each turn it will do one of whatever this card says it does. Um, right. But it meant we ended up in a situation that I feel like was in every Hellboy movie I've ever watched, where this giant monster picked up Hellboy in his hand, and Hellboy's just sitting there, like, shooting at the hand or the face, or basically trying to get this fucker to let him go. Um, and so we had that kind of whole situation that was pretty good. But... I don't know. It's it's good. I don't know if I would recommend buying it because one, I don't know if you can, um, but two, it seems like it's probably quite expensive for what it is and big for what it is. Right. Uh, I assume, given they said specifically, and the rule book has like cardboard cutouts instead of plastic bits, that there's there's going to be a you know retail version of this that I'm you can buy. I'm pretty sure there is a retail version. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, depending on the price of it, I don't think I'd really recommend it. It seems good, though. Right. If you like Hellboy, this is one of those games that it's a good enough game that, yeah, totally, get it. Like it's, If you like the theming of it, go for it. Um, But, you know, there's, there's a bunch of other games you could be buying. <laughs> for yeah. example, Black Sonata. Uh, now that I've yes. rambled about Hellboy for like an hour. <laughs> yeah so this is well they, funny enough i don't know if you can buy this one because oh, this God. is another kickstarter <laughs> it wasn't our kickstarter yeah so this you can have a look uh this is a solo player game yes that both of us had back to kickstarter yeah and the best way to describe it for anyone listening is it's a solo player version of Letters from Whitechapel yes it's not quite accurate but it's definitely the best description of it yes yeah so it's a a hidden game and the idea is set in Shakespeare's uh, England in London London. to be specific and it concerns uh, there's a lot of mystery Shakespeare wrote a lot of sonnets about a certain lady uh and they were called i think they were the dark lady sonnets they became known as it's basically this mystery lady and nobody knows who the person is that these love poems are about and the idea of the game is that there's a whole load of suspects and you are traipsing about london and you have clues to where the person is and you will find someone and they will give you clues as to the real identity of the Dark Lady. Yeah. Once you have enough clues, you can then take a guess and say, you know, based on the evidence that I've got, uh, 
it has to be this person. Uh, each of the suspects, the different ladies in the game, they all have, is it, how many attributes do they have? Is it six? Uh, it's not that many, is it? Only like three. No, three. You have three. Uh, but then they have like a list of, there's like six or seven different attributes altogether, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like a handful, there's like, how many factions, not factions, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, they all have a, a different uh, icon on them as like the, the, the group that they are part of. And they're in pairs, basically. Um, and there's yes. like five or so of those. And those have little numbers next to them as well which is i think why, why you're thinking of that high a number of them it's because you have that yes the card as well yeah yeah so uh yeah that basically when you each of the the ladies will have a clue it will tell you that the card that you're looking for uh has these traits you know, they may be a mother and they may be a patron of the arts. That may be the two clues and it's uh, two symbols that you look for. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it may tell you that it it may have two of the symbols that I have or two of my attributes. Either two of them or none of them will be on the card that you're looking for. Yes. Uh I think more or often, more of often not, there's just says like one or two, but yeah, there's yeah, definitely a handful one. of them are like two or none, and it's like that's weird. Yeah, there's some of them that say one or none, and there's some that say none. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, once you find these people who are in and about London, you can then start to take this information and deduce you know, who the, the dark lady is. How you get these is you uh, you have to hunt down the person and there is a deck card. It's their movement deck. And the movement deck has, uh, you hold it in your hand and you, you shuffle through it. So on their turn, they get to move. So you you reveal the next card that you've got in your hand and it gives you a clue as to where they are. Each place on the board, each location has an, it can be one attribute or sometimes it can be two. Is it two or three different attributes on the board as well? I think at most it's two, but there may be one to three actually. Yeah, but they all, they have different attributes. So it's like there'll be, uh, um, some of them will have, uh, churches. Um, yes. And some of them will have, uh, ends or uh, some of them have like, I think it's like it's just co- a rock or something like that, like kind of like a quarry or something. Um, yeah, some of them are close to water. Yeah, so they have a boat on them and stuff like that. So they have things like that, basically, to kind of describe the area and the back of the cards or the card because you're only ever really looking at the back of these cards. Yes, um, has one of those icons on it, and so it'll be like, oh well, she's at somewhere that has a church yeah and that it normally narrows it down to at most three locations yeah yeah and at the very minimum it's normally a 50 50 shot yeah yeah so that's where you know where they are and then it's your turn and you can either do nothing because you think that they're going to move to your location next 
or you, if you're close enough, you can move to their location. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, or move to their next location. Or if you if you think you're on the same location as them, you can do a search. And the searches are quite cool because what what then happens is you take that card with the location on it, you place it aside, and you have to take a, what do they call it? A clue card. Yeah, it's another yeah, yeah. card, and you basically replace it with the deck. Yeah, it's like so a, the it's way a clouded th- vision card or something like that. You put it. Yeah. You put it like so a basic. It basically stops you from being able to search as easy. So every time you search, you make it harder for yourself to. Yeah, because it can yeah. it basically takes that location out of the, the deck. Like they will still move somewhere. Yes. Technically to that place, but you won't know because it's is basically this question mark, and it means yep. you can't search that place either. Yeah. So you can never catch so, them there again. So on the on the front side of this card that you look is a the, there will be a little it's a little drawing of a lady and um, it matches up with a keyhole depending on the location that you're in so let's say for example you are at the one of the churches <laughs> trying to remember I, any of the locations I'm trying to remember any of <laughs> them remember anywhere in London visibly. yes um uh, and you're at one of the churches and you think that the, you know, who you're looking for is there. What you do is you take that location and it's got a little keyhole on it. You place that on the location card, turn them around and you look through the keyhole. And sometimes you will see the lady, which then means you can take a clue card or you'll see nothing and you were wrong. They, they're not where you, they thought you were. Yeah, and it means that location's still out of the deck. You just wasted a, a perfectly good search for nothing. Yes. Um, um, which is cool. And then if you want to, although well, I never really found a need to, uh, instead of searching if the location is one of those kind of clouded question mark ones, you can use that card. Yes. So um, I did this a couple of times. What you do is you basically take take that card, replace it with one of the other, you know, cloud cards, mm-hmm. and you turn it around and you do what's on the other side of it. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Now the reason, one of the reasons for you doing this as well is it it cycles through the cards because if you ever get to a point. Where you don't have enough of those cloud cards to do a search, mm-hmm. the game finishes. Yeah, yeah, because when you use one, it doesn't like go back into it. Or it just gets discarded. Yes, yeah. So with you doing turning them over and things like that, you're recycling them and keeping the pile going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just really clever. Um, what did you think? I really like it. It's really smart. So I I love the the little keyhole mechanic, which um I don't know if it really got across properly, but it is literally just like a little hole in the location yes. card, and you line it up, and you hope that you got the right thing. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Um, I like 
there's just so many different mechanics in this game that are really really smart and it's a smart way of doing this kind of hidden movement game but solo like i yes i really like the so at the start of the game you pick basically at random uh a card to be you know the the lady the one you're looking for and the other card of that type because again there's like two of each type gets put under the pile of location cards and so yes. every time you move to a location you take the location card from that deck and once you've been to every single location you can flip over that other uh card which i actually lost my first game of this because i it explicitly says in the rules you want to do this you it's basically mandatory for winning like you're not going to win otherwise like it, it doesn't say mandatory it says like it's essential like you you won't be able to figure out the clues otherwise and i was yes, like yeah. ah, it's bullshit i can do this um <laughs> and i got so the yeah the, the way it works is you go around and you you know find all these other ladies and their things will be like oh well you're looking for a lady with the pink symbol uh for the pink symbol one of my symbols matches and then yeah. the other ones about one of my matches one of my matches but yeah that yeah a lot of them are also like two or zero of them match so i was just sitting there like well one of hers definitely matches one of hers definitely matches and two of hers might match or zero so i think i know what the three are and i put them down and i guessed exactly the three that were on the card that was underneath the locations instead of the other one uh, whereas right. if i had flipped over if i had went every location first and flipped that one over i would have realized oh that one there is different so because yes. basically they are the same faction essentially but they have different uh like clues on them basically um sometimes entirely different sometimes one or two of them are different but th that just depends on the the faction i think um it's cool i really like it i played like two or three games of it just because it was you know like back to back just because it was so much fun to play and it's really easy to randomize it because you just you or not random but uh the way that you kind of do that is basically just the different uh the different locations she moves to like her movement deck on the back of it just has letters on it and you basically uh -huh. just like organize them. They, it has a row of letters on the top, and I think on the bottom as well. Yes, and it does. Yeah, you just pick one of those. You'd be like, I'm using the fourth row, and you just organize them alphabetically. Yes, and that's it. And it's like that's so smart. That's such an easy way to do this, and it instantly so, gives you like a handful of different ways to you know mix them yeah. up. So the, the cool thing is that the you know the, the the sequences on the top of the cards are that basically she will move and every on every turn she will move mm -hmm. okay um the sequences on the bottom of the cards are slightly advanced in that sometimes she, uh, she won't move she may stay in the same location mm -hmm. and then they have created uh customized versions for you to do and they tell you within the rule book if you want to play really advanced do this to the deck do that to the deck and then go yeah 
So those ones, instead of being alphabetical, I think are just like, here, do this, 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 this. Yes. Um, which is cool. And yeah, the I haven't played, I only played it with the, the easier options of she moves every turn. But I presume. Yes, same here. I presume all of the bottom ones then will have, because she doesn't move every turn. I assume that means that they are ordered in such a way that a card and the card after it in some instances will be for the same location. Uh, yes. Because I presume that's how they would handle her not moving. Because there's none that are just blank or something. So it would be... Or maybe two that are the same in a row, but that might give it away. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's smart. It's really good. The artwork's really nice. Like it just looks and plays fantastic. Um, I, yeah, I was surprised by how much I like this because I'm not usually a big kind of solo board gamer. Like I've played a yeah. handful of things solo. I really liked Oniram, but that's kind of like the one solo game that's kind of stuck with me. Uh huh. Um, but this one is just, it's great. It is just really, really clever. <laughs> it just works so well, and it yeah. doesn't feel like the easy way to describe it. As we said at the start of this, is you know, it's a single-player letter from Whitechapel. But this, like, underselling it so much, like, it's very much its own thing. Um, it has that yes. hidden movement thing, but it's... It has so many cool little mechanics to it, and it's just such a smart little game. I I really like it. I'm looking forward to their new one, because like you, I played this a couple of times, and then instantly was like, I need to back the Kickstarter for their new game, because yeah. they're doing a solo worker placement game, and it's like, okay, well, cool. You you have my money, because you nailed this one. Um, yeah. And I looked it up, you can buy this game on their website. If you Oh, excellent. If you go to sidroomgames.com, so, you can buy it, it's $25. Uh, yeah, which buy is a it. Very good price for it, that's cheap as hell. Um, I don't know how much shipping yeah, will buy be, it. but yeah, twenty-five dollars is this cheap. Um, yeah, I I highly recommend it if you're looking for a solo game, even if you don't think you're looking for a solo game, but you like hidden movement games like Letters from Whitechapel or Fury of Dracula or what was that one we played that wasn't very good? The... Oh, the 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 Friday the Thirteenth one. Yeah, that one. Uh, last Friday. If you like that one, stop playing board games because it's bad. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> it's, it's not that bad. I'm just being. I'm just exaggerating. Um, the, the campaign was. It wasn't great, but individually they're they're good. Yes, if you like those kind of games, that style of games is obviously a little bit simpler than most of those. It's not much simpler than. It's probably about the same, you know, depth. I mean, it's such a fucking vague thing to try and compare, but you know, it's. It's a similar kind of depth to Letters from Whitechapel. It's not as in-depth as, you know, Fury of Dracula or whatever, because those are those have, you know, other mechanics on top of it. This is very yeah. much that kind of you're trying to find a thing and solve clues to deduct. Um, yeah. It's cool. I really liked it. Um buy it. Yes. Cool. Uh, you have one more game to play to talk yeah. about. Another Kickstarter. Uh, another Kickstarter as well. All of our board games are from Kickstarter. Um, yeah, they're they're getting that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I need to. I need to get rid of some of my board games. Um, 
Yeah, so I played some Chronicles of Crime, uh, which I've had for a while now. Yes. And I bought pretty much, like, because it has a stupid gimmick where you can use a little VR thing on your phone, uh, which I used once when playing this and realized doesn't work very well and stopped. Um, but Chronicles of Crime is a game where you are trying to solve crimes. And yes. You do this by just this really kind of smart system they have built up where it's mostly app-based. Well, not mostly app-based, but it's, it's got an app that runs it. And as a result, all of the components they've put into the actual like board game part of it are very generic. So they have like a handful of locations, which are named locations and they all have like a, a letter on them. So you've got like location A, location B, etc., etc. But then they also have names and it's like again all places in London. So it's like ah, Soho or you know, whatever. And you the, most probably these things all have like QR codes on them as well. So you have like a big deck of uh, people as well and they're just faces. They don't have names or anything. They're just people's faces with the QR code at the bottom and a number on the back. Uh, you have clues that are broken up by type so it's like you'll find cutlery or food or drink or jewelry or they go surprisingly in depth they're very some of them are very specific some of them are like you know a kid's toy or things like yes yeah um which is quite cool again you have again more specialized clues which are things like you know dna and poison and so on and then you start with every game, at least every game I've played of it so far, starts with a location, which is your home base, which is, you know, the police station. Yep. It starts with the police chief, which is just one of those nameless face cards. And you start with four locations, uh, not locations, but four, I forget the name they use for them, but basically they are parts of the department you can visit for specific things so you can go to like the csi lab to get like blood tests and stuff like that or you can go to the criminologist to get advice about the psychology of the person you're trying to catch etc and it's all run through an app on your phone so all of these have qr codes in the corner and so to start the game you will scan the qr code of the police chief and the police chief will explain you know, the basics of the crime that you're looking into. So uh, I'll just go through the tutorial one because the tutorial one's really short and I don't think anyone will care if it's spoiled because it's yeah. the tutorial. Um, the tutorial starts with uh, the police chief being like, oh, this this old woman passed away in her, uh, her house in location D. I can't remember what, the, I think it was D, something like that. And so you'll instantly go in to the pile of locations, pull out D, stick it, and attach it to the board, and put, and she, and they'll also say, like, this old lady, and it'll have a number next to it, so it's like, you know, 24, and you'll pull out the card 24, and it'll have a picture of an old lady's face on it, and you'll stick that on the, the, the board under the, like, victim section, basically. And then you'll be like, go investigate the crime scene, see what else you can find. And so you'll go to the crime scene by scanning the QR code on that location. And then the app takes you there. And it'll have a button that is search crime scene. And the way this works is it loads up a little 3D render of the crime scene. 
Yeah. And you can put on a little pair of VR goggles and look around it. I don't recommend it. It's kind of shit. <laughs> My, I the little. Did you get the the goggles? Yeah, with the, the game? ones that came with it. I found it worked fine. I it did not work for me. I ended up it looked really blurry, and I ended up just closing one of my eyes to make it look alright. Oh right. Maybe my eyes are messed up. That's also well, possible. What, what I did was I used that is fine. It works. Those glasses work fine uh, for that. They don't work fine with any other three uh, VR app oh, that that's well. Weird. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna say you could probably put it into your. Um, one. but yeah i i mean try it see if it works for you it didn't really work for me so i ended up not using it afterwards but basically you move your phone around and you can look around this little 360 of the screen and the way you're meant to do it if you're playing it multiplayer is you're yelling out clues basically uh, i was just taking notes of them because i was cheating because it's single player it doesn't yeah at least i didn't see but the rules don't really they're like you can play it one player but it doesn't actually unless i missed it um, like the rules for that just say you know yell out what the things are so people can find them but yes if you're playing yeah. a single player you've got no one to yell it to it doesn't say what to do so i was just the game come or at least the kickstarter version came with a little notepad so i was just taking notes of everything i saw right um and you'll find things like uh so in this tutorial one um the old lady is like lying dead on her chair and you'll find uh, there's like a plate of half-eaten cake beside her. There's a bunch of dead cats around. There's yes. a, a bunch of playing cards out beside her. There's a letter beside her. And so you'll you know, find the cards in the clue deck for... Um, I think there is one that specifically says letter. You'll find the, the food and drink one because of the cake. And you'll find, uh, I think there's like toys and games for the playing cards. Yeah. And you'll scan all those QR codes and it'll be like, good job, you found that evidence. And it'll give you a little bit of, you know, text, a little bit of flavor text. It's like, oh, you found a half-eaten cake on the floor. It's chocolate cake, etc., etc. Um, And because it's tutorial, it recommends you send the cake to the lab to see if there's anything up with it. You send it to the lab, and the lab comes back. And you again, you send it to the lab by scanning the lab QR code and then scanning the cake QR code, or the food and drink QR code. And the, they come back and go, oh, this cake had some trace amounts of poison in it. And so you'll get the little poison card that, again, has a QR code on it. Um, you'll scan the QR code for the letter, and it'll say, you like, you read the letter, and it'll have, it has a location on it. It'll be like, oh, we... I can't remember if it has a location. It has something on it that leads you to a location. And you go to that location and it'll be like, oh, this person and this person is here. And it's, again, numbered cards for people. You flip them over, put them on. Yeah. And you go through this whole thing of, you know, to you go to different locations. You can talk to people just by scanning a QR code to talk to them and then scanning other QR codes for what you want to ask them about. So, for example, this one, you go to the, the bridge club that this old woman played at. You talk to the woman that runs the place. And the first thing you ask her about is the, the dead woman, obviously. So you scan the QR code of the victim. And she'll say what she knows about the victim. And you scan the QR code for the poison or for the cake or something like that. And she'll be like, oh, do Betty gave her a cake. And Betty will have like a number next to it. And so you'll get that card as well. And you go talk to her about it, and it's 
a really simple little way of handling things where it's just like you're yeah. just scanning QR codes for everything that works great and most of it's app run so they can just keep adding more scenarios to this and they don't have to add more cards like there are expansions for it that add some additional cards and mechanics and stuff but they could also just keep pumping out more story stuff for it like indefinitely which I yes. think is pretty cool yeah. um, so I did that tutorial one and then I did like one of the the very first, I don't know if it was very first, but I did one of the easy, um, like, non tutorial ones. Right. Uh, I lost it because I was bad. But it's it's cool. And the tutorial kind of doesn't give it enough credit, I think, because it has to be simplified. And it's just teaching you the mechanics. But once you actually get into a proper scenario... There's so many more avenues for places to go and for people oh, to really? question. Yeah. It's not just, I went to the location and talked to the people. It's, I went to the location, there was three people there. They all told me four different locations with other people at them. And, oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, right. And, and it's, that's where the time thing comes in. Exactly. So I lost because, I don't know if you can lose from taking too much time, but I lost because it got to a certain point where the police chief is like, you're running out of time. Hurry up and get here and tell me what happened. And I was like, fuck, I'm just going to take a guess. I think I know what happened. And I got most of it right, but I got something wrong. So uh, it does the kind of, um, again, it's all QR code based. So it's just like, it asks you a series of questions. So it'll just be like, who killed the old lady and so you'll scan you the scan, QR code yeah. and it'd be like what did they kill her with and you'll scan the poison and they'd be like oh how did they deliver this and you'll scan the cake and then they'll be like oh why did she do it and you'll scan the letter or something like that yes um, that's right yeah and so it does that but you know it's, it gets way more complicated and it's got way more story and flavor text than the tutorial lets on but not too much you're never reading like entire paragraphs of stuff. It's just a couple of lines and it's really good. Because um, that's the thing I've heard about. There's a similar game to this that came out last year. Oh, they say it's just called like Detective or something. Oh, is this the Ignacy Chevichek one? Maybe. Uh, um, this is the one that, that uses the actual... It, it uses the internet. You log onto a website. Yes, that's the one. Uh, the thing that I heard about that, which admittedly was primarily just from shop and sit down, um, was that it has way too much text. Like none of it seems particularly well written, but also there's just like paragraphs and paragraphs of stuff that you're right reading out. Yes, yeah. Um, which doesn't seem super interesting. This keeps it no. brief. It's very much like you go talk to someone, and they'll be like, "Oh, um, you know, I've not seen that person in a while, but I know that she was dating so and so." And you will talk yeah. to them, and you'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I, you know, used to meet her at this bar, blah blah blah." But it's only like a couple of lines each. It's all short and sweet. Yeah, it's really good. I really like it. Um, I'm looking forward to playing it with people because I enjoyed it solo, and it works really well solo. To be fair. Yes. Yeah. Um. It. They did say that during the campaign and stuff like that. I enjoyed the little bit of solo that I played as well, and like you, I've not played it anymore because i want to play it with people yeah but i will also say that i feel like i won't well i i feel like i can say words uh i feel like i <laughs> <laughs> i would prefer to play it with just like one or two other people yeah i don't I, think 
don't the think whole I, four player thing. No, is, I don't. I don't yeah. think four or more. I think it only says four on the box, but there's nothing stopping you playing more. There's literally like no individual player pieces or anything. Like you could have thirty people play us if you want. Um, but I think it would work best like as a pair. Um, maybe three at most, but I think just like having two people bouncing ideas off each other is probably the way to do it. Um, which again also would add to kind of like the the atmosphere of it as well because you know you know police generally have like their partner, not uh, I guess they also you know would have a squad basically, but you know traditionally in crime fiction you're gonna have your partner that you're bouncing things off of, um. And I think the game would lend itself to that. Like, I think it's probably a really good two-player game. It works really well as a solo game. Um, but... Because at the very least, mechanically, it doesn't feel like there's a lot for other people to do. Other than, you know, trying to deduct things. Trying to solve things. There's no... You know... There's no actual like interaction from other players other than you know passing your phone around so that they can scan something else. But you all have to come to an agreement on them scanning that thing anyway. So it doesn't really matter who does the scanning. So I don't know. I think it would work well as a two-player. I think if you have more than two people, you're going to have people just getting a bit bored probably because they're not doing much. They're just looking at blank. Well, not blank, but you know nameless cards <laughs> trying to figure out something that you read out to them from an app on your phone um, but that's based on not much because obviously I've not played it with more than one person so yeah that's just my guess uh, yeah I need to play more so it'll be good yeah I'm definitely going to play more but I think I'm going to play some of it with my girlfriend um because I described it to her, because like I described it to her when I bought it, and she didn't seem super into it. And then I actually played it and described it to her a bit better, and she's like, "Oh no, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds like everything I want from a board game." So she's going to go through the tutorial and that first scenario herself, and then we're gonna team up for the rest of it, basically. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, we need to we need to do that. There's it seems to be a decent amount of um scenarios in the app just now yes there's the tutorial there's the power behind which has three different scenarios in it i don't know which one of these if any of these came with a kickstarter um but they might have there's like curse of the pharaohs every rose has its thorns there's a bunch of extra scenarios which i think those are the ones i got from kickstarter uh yes yeah you got quite a few of them i think i need to pay four or five pounds for them yeah which seems like an all right price one yeah uh when we spoke about it the first time i thought it was quite reasonable for what it is yeah um and it seems like they're still bringing out some new ones here and there which should be good yes i think there was an alice in wonderland style one that came out just recently alice in london land which i got as well so i guess that was free for kickstarters yes yeah. oh this scenario was based on the synopsis idea of the kickstarter backer who won the community vote so there you go yeah. um yeah that's yeah I, I will probably play that one my girlfriend she likes alice in, Land, alice in wonderland stuff cool um yes so chronicles of crime i really liked it uh i'm always 
a bit skeptical when games use an app. Um, I don't know why, but I am. <laughs> I, it's understandable. Some of them have not been the best. Yeah. Uh, I also feel like there's always the worry that the app is just going to get like abandoned. Um, yes. And then like yeah. a few years from now, it still might happen with this. Like a few years from now, this app might just be, you know, dead. It might not be updated for iOS, you know, fourteen or whatever on at that point. Yeah, um, you need a a sixteen year old <laughs> iPad or something. <laughs> exactly. To, yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess like uh, I'm not thinking about it. There's only. Sorry, I'm just looking through my phone now to be what board game apps I've got in here because I'm starting to accumulate them now. Oh, have, really? Well, I've got the Chronicles of Crime one. I've got the Unlock one, which you kind of need for Unlock. Uh, and then I have. Oh yes. I have the Renegade one, which I have for Fuse. Although they've just patched other ones into that, so that's just a fucking massive app now. Yes. That's, that's a yeah. pain in the butt. Uh, uh, there is also the one for XCOM, the board game. Yeah, I don't have that one. But yes, there's that is another one. Yeah. Um, which that one's alright as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess yes. More often than not, I think they've been good, but I, for whatever reason I'm still skeptical of them. <laughs> Despite all no, the evidence. That is fair enough. Yeah. Um but yeah, I definitely recommend that one if you can get it. I don't know what the I don't know how difficult it is to get. I assume not that difficult. They seem to be very <laughs> popular. It's definitely one of those ones where I bought on Kickstarter on a whim just because I thought the VR thing, that's a dumb gimmick. But I liked it in Mask of Anubis and they seem to have built another game around this, so that seems cool. Yes, yeah. And then the VR bit's the bit I care about least and the actual game is really good. <laughs> um, but then also it got like really good reviews and people on board games yes. seem to love it. So. But it got quite a lot of Game of the Year awards as well. Yeah. So, seem to be um, critically acclaimed. Yeah, so looking forward to playing quite a bit more of that. Should we move on because we've been at this for quite a while? Should we, we do should. some new releases? Let's do it. What games are Next. coming out? So, stuff coming out for Friday the 17th of May. I had to think what month we were in there. So, for week ending the 17th of May, we have. A Plague Tale Innocence coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. I'm not 100% sure what that is. I'm guessing it's a episodic story type thing, possibly. Sounds right. I recognize yeah. the name, but I don't remember. Um, Rage 2 comes yes. to PS4, Xbox One, and PC on the 14th of May as well. I'm looking forward to that one. I hope it's good. Uh, another one of your games, Guilty Gear 20th Anniversary Edition, hits the Switch yeah. on Friday the 17th. That's, I'm probably uh, not, yeah, I'd I might, be a... I'll get that on sale because it's not like yes. Guilty Gear XR. That is like Guilty Gear ass Guilty Gear. Yes. It's yeah. like Accent Core or whatever the last 2D one was. Yeah, so I'd be I'd be up for that at the right price. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, there is a, another old game. This time it's coming to PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. It's the remastered edition of Sniper Elite V2. I'd be interested to see how much they do to that. Yeah, I loved that game. It was yeah, really good. I liked it as well. Hard as nails, but really good. Definitely. I'm probably more interested in 
if they did the um, Zombie Army trilogy on Switch. Yep. Uh, another old game, Wasteland 2, the director's cut. Yeah. Comes to Switch as well. That game's good. Uh, yet another one. <laughs> There's quite a load of these, actually. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered hits the Switch on... That's on the 21st. Oh, that's the 21st, yeah. Oh, that, you're getting that, that ahead of yourself. Forward. I was, yeah. I was just getting caught up with all the uh, remastered <laughs> games and stuff. Possibly the worst Assassin's Creed game. Yeah, I mean, if you were going to put, if you're going to redo a, an Assassin's Creed game, it would have to be Black Flag. I mean... I think part of it is they already released this remaster on other systems, like on PS4 and Xbox One, and on those right. they already had Black Flag. But yes, I would, I would pay money for Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag on the Switch, despite the fact I paid for it on uh, my PS4 at launch. That was the game yes. that came with my PS4. And uh-huh. I think I got it for free from somewhere on my PC. I definitely have it listed on right. the Play. I don't remember buying it. But I would buy it on my Switch because that game's great. Yeah, love that game. Yeah. Oh, well. Cool. Have we got anything else to add? Uh, <coughs> I bought Horizon Chase Turbo. Oh, excellent. And that have you played good. much of it? I finished the first location, like the San Francisco stuff. Um, but that's all. Which is like, good. A, it's a decent amount of races. Um, yes, yeah. But yeah, then it starts getting hard and I was like, well, I'll play this later. <laughs> yeah, no. It is, it's a really good game. Yeah, I really like it. It looks great. It plays great. Excellent. I just I just had that itch. I was just like, I need a racing game on my Switch. Mario Kart's <laughs> not really doing it. I want something uh-huh. less kart racery. Yeah, that game's great. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm currently looking at all the games I've got. I still I've not played a lot of Dead or Alive Six. The fact that they've done the that whole pay to play or you know the piecemeal thing with it, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit done in. You know, I bought the game straight off the bat, and now you're. I feel like that's a game that just fell off of my radar entirely. Like. Other fighting games you hear about constantly because, you know, they show up at tournaments and stuff like that, but I feel like Dead or Alive yeah. just doesn't. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. It... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, It's a good enough game, but what they're doing with it, it... I don't know. I yeah, just... I don't know either. I feel yeah. a little bit, yeah. Um, Still got Kingdom Hearts 3 to play through. Yeah, I reached a pirate area in that and was like, this seems cool, oh, and I stopped right. playing it. <laughs> yeah, I need to finish the... The Pirates of the Caribbean area in that game. Monster like, one. The thing they do really well in Kingdom Hearts 3 more than the previous Kingdom Hearts games is that each of the worlds has like its own art style. And they have like shaders and stuff that make it look like... You know, the, the Toy Story world looks like Toy Story. Yes. And the Monster Inc. world doesn't look like Toy Story. It looks like Monster Inc. Yes. Um, and some of them better than others. Like, I think the Toy Story world looks more like Toy Story than the Monsters, Inc. world looks like Monsters, Inc. The Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean one looks like Pirates of the Caribbean. But Pirates right. of the Caribbean's a live-action movie. It did look... Uh, they look like... Seen... You have, like, weirdly realistic-looking Goofy and stuff like that, and it's like, I don't, I don't want this. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> this isn't something I needed in my life. 
Yeah, anything. Yeah. Like yeah, need to play more of that in myself as well. Uh, other than that, I think the only thing is to thank everyone for listening. If you have any comments, complaints, or questions for us, you can send them to podcast at glitchfreegaming.com. You can find us on Facebook, just search for glitchfree gaming. You can tweet us at glitchfreegame. And we have a lovely YouTube channel. Yes, it's just youtube.com slash user slash glitchfree game. I almost forget. Uh, what it's, yeah. I think it's glitchfree game. I think it's glitchfree game, yeah. Yeah, it's glitchfree game. Uh, Ben's game of the year is finally up. It took a long time, but it's there. Um, and also all of our other game of the year videos are there. And not much else has went up recently. But yeah. <laughs> I say it every week. Well, I'm working on it. I have a buffer of videos. <laughs> I just need to... Yes. I need enough to feel comfortable with and then I'll dump them one at a time over the course <laughs> of a few weeks. We will have a lot of content later in this year. <laughs> yeah, and also don't forget to go to the website uh, com as well. Ben's still putting out some reviews and things like that i think he reviewed beast of balance which we yes. spoke about last year at uh, uk games expo so yeah. we ben's done a review of that and i think he's got some more things coming up so stay tuned for that mm-hmm. other than that i think that's it yeah play games yes play lots of games and we will speak to you next week see ya See ya.